Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high rise in beautiful Beverly Hills, adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign. This is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, a Hollywood original, a clothing designer, a musician, and an actress enjoying a scene-stealing role in the pop TV network show, Swedish Dicks. Hello, and welcome, Tracy Lords. Well, thank you very much. How are you? I'm great. It is a real thrill to meet you. Well, thanks. I am always excited when I, when I see you pop up and stuff. Um, literally you know, pop up <laughs> in, in in this case very <laughs> literally on, sticks, yes. on pop tv <laughs> yeah, right. um and i saw you I, in the, you know i had to right <laughs> it was right there somebody had to do <laughs> it and i saw you in the in the ad for this before i even knew that you might be coming around and doing press for it because let's face it there was a scenario where there's a scandal around you a number of years ago and then you just sort of 30 years ago it's been a That's while. Oh huh? my god! Yes. Time fly- and then and then you just become aware. They now remember when that thing happened. And I just sincerely respect that you've you've, you've got a great career that you've Thank made you. for yourself. Thank you. So how how this must be the most fun you've ever had in a role? What I mean, Crybaby's cool, but this seems like a lot of fun. What you are doing in this TV show? Yeah, you know, it's like comparing apples and oranges. Yeah, um, you know, Crybaby is definitely Wanda Woodward. The character I played in Crybaby was one of the most iconic roles that I've I've ever done in my life. Of course, yeah. I didn't know that at the time, um, which is a good thing because I I think you'd probably be so nervous to to do a good job that you'd probably blow the whole thing. Yeah, no pressure. But, People yeah. are going to be watching this and enjoying yeah, right. it for decades. <laughs> exactly. And action. But still, I mean, that's like the character that people will um, go, "Wait a minute, aren't you?" Mm-hmm. You know that. That I get um, clock for from six-year-old girls to, you know, because it just keeps finding a new audience. So it's amazing that, you know, just that it's so relevant even today. But going back to um, Swedish Dicks and Jane McKinney is the role that I play in Swedish Dicks. I can see her being like that, too, because she is a boss lady. Yeah. You know, um, the show roughly is about two unlicensed Swedish detectives. Peter Stormare and Johan Glans play the leads. And um, Peter's role, his character, was an ex-stuntman and who's sort of washed up, his body's broken apart. So, And his friend... Um, uh, you know, was a DJ that just didn't make it. He was the worst DJ in Sweden. And so they come to Los I got Angeles. A lot of yeah, right. Right, <laughs> right. They're both looking for a day job and they come to Los Angeles and they open up this detective agency and, they, you know, they open it down the street from my detective agency. And I consider myself the slickest dick in town. And the fact that these two boys think that they can come and take over on my territory is like, I'm not having it. In season one, um, my character Jane was just sort of dismissive of them and didn't worry a lot about it. But I think season two, you can really see the stakes are really have risen. And I realized that I'm losing money, mm-hmm. that that like I'm, my business is in danger. And 
and um, you must not be a very good private detective yourself because I've <laughs> yeah. seen I've seen enough of this show to know these guys are awful. I beg your pardon. <laughs> I think it's you know it's somehow they are awful, but they manage they have their rhythm mm-hmm. and they manage to do a good job, which is baffling because they know nothing about any of it. So it makes Jane kind of crazy. Um, so that's been fun to play with, and I love the fact that you know Peter's idea was always to show off a seedier side of L.A., like the underbelly of L.A., the, the working class kind of, you know, the, the downtown, the alleys, Koreatown, the, like not the picture-perfect Hollywood sign and all those gorgeous things, the obstructed views. It's, That's right, what, it's just yeah, around right. that corner, Tracy. Yeah, like where we are right now. Right, exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, it, it, there is a lot more to this town, and I don't know why more people don't, don't show that yeah there are human beings living here and it's a it's a quirky quirky place and the whole plastic people thing is actually a relatively small part of of the way this city works true have you have you been here the whole have you been here i know that you were in orange county as a teenager i was in ohio i was born mm -hmm. in ohio and then i i my mom and my sisters and i came out when i was probably around 11 i want to say or 12 okay something like that and so i was more toward um the South Bay, yeah. Right. And so, you know, there, there are definitely, I mean, there's all these pockets mm-hmm. to um, California. And certainly, like, the, the glitz and the glamour and the things that you hear for, the, like, the tourists being attracted to. Um, Hollywood Boulevard. We we show Hollywood Boulevard in Swedish Dicks this season. But the storyline is about, you know, the people that dress up as the impersonators. So it's about the five Marilyn Monroes battling the blah, blah, blah. You know, it's right. it's a different take on it. It's yeah. not like the limo and here comes the red carpet and all that. It's the dirty. It's the guys that scrub the stars on the walk of fame it's the you know it's the it's the gum on the floor the the show has a tone of like um john waters meets fargo is how i've been describing it yeah it's just a really good description right the 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 humor is like really kooky and outrageous and funny but it's like a little sort of left it's a little off it's like a little sort of slanted which is a lot of fun how did you get involved Did, did you audition for this did they come to you and and want you for did they envision you for this role you know it's really funny because I got a call from my agent. He said, I have this script. Um, do you know who Peter Star- Stormar is? And I said, Peter Stormar, who's that? Who's that? And then I remembered he was like the delicious bad guy in so many movies I'd seen. And I was a you know fan of his work. Um, kind of a scary guy. Um, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. And I remembered him from Fargo and mm-hmm. you know some other things. And I, okay, I'll read it. And he had sent it with this just really beautiful letter to me just saying, you know, I, I've written this and, and I would really love you to play Jane McKinney. I can think of no one else to play this role. Will you please, you know, consider doing this? And, you know, I thought about Peter on screen and all the bad guys. And I thought, well, I better read it <laughs> and be polite because he's kind of a scary guy. And I read it and I, I thought it was hilarious. And and unlike anything that I had received um you know, recently, and I just thought it would be a really good opportunity for me to play somebody that was, you know, sort of different than anybody I'd played before. Yeah, and, and you're perfect for it. Um, it, it is tailor made for you. I'm very surprised to see Keanu Reeves 
in this. I, do you know how did Keanu Reeves? I mean, not just like one guest spot. He's he's a recurring role in this whole second season as well, right? Yeah, he's great in it. Why? Like, why is he? Because I always feel like if why I, not? That's what I say. See, I always this is one of the thousands of reasons why I'm not a huge celebrity. I always thought if I was like Brad Pitt, I would secretly go and film, be like an audience member in an infomercial, just so stone <laughs> people could go. I swear to God, I saw him. He was really there because that seems like such a fun thing to do with yeah. your fame is yeah. to kind of do something that's beneath what an A-list person ought to do. And yet they never do it. And yet here is Keanu Reeves. Do you have scenes with him? Well, I do. And you know what sucks about being famous? Fame. How does that? Well, because of what you just said. I mean, the, the if you're really into the art um it, it it can stifle you because mm-hmm. you're constantly worrying about you don't get to go and like create freely without being judged yeah. you lose that part of it which sucks because that's what we're really i mean that's what a lot of artists are really in it for i know i'm one and i think perhaps and i don't know him very well that keanu is one of those people i get that you impression know, that he wants to stretch and grow and do things and i know that he and peter are friendly and of course they work together on several films right wasn't they were together in constantine right? oh okay which is wonderful all right and so i think that they had a relationship and once again maybe peter wrote him a beautiful love letter i don't know how that happened but um Keanu is really pleasant and easy to work with, and he's really funny in the show. I'm surprised he hasn't done more comedy. Maybe that's one of the reasons he said yes. Um, and, uh, you know, he we had some good scenes. I loved working with him. I loved working with Francis Fisher this season. Some really great guest stars, and we'll see where it all goes. Um, you mentioned that there are issues with fame. I have to imagine it's, I guess, sort of a mixed bag over the years being Tracy Lords has got to sort of be a blessing and a curse in making your way in Hollywood and just in the world, right? You know, the thing is this. I, I always It always annoys me when I hear somebody that is famous or privileged or all of the above um, complain about anything in their life. It's like, oh, please, you have it so hard. So it's, it, isn't, it isn't a complaint. It's obviously, it's something that I'm deliberately doing because I like to do it. And mm-hmm. But part of it you know, that's part of the territory. It isn't always easy. You know, we have our things as well. And one of the things that you sign up for when you are a public person is that constant intrusion on your life. And that, I think, um, depending upon how you choose to deal with that, can uh, be something that you make peace with and you deal with it well and you can still fail at times. So it's it's a constant thing to be kind to everybody, to set a good example, to try to do projects that are important to you and to be political, to be present, to be human, to be all of those things while being on a stage where you're going to be judged for everything you do. Yeah. It's a really difficult thing to uh, master, to walk, and sometimes we fail. Of course, everybody, even the the person who has it all figured out and has the best intentions and has the best game plan. They're a liar because nobody has it figured out. <laughs> but even that person is just going to have a bad day. I saw a story yeah. online today about a, a monk is apologizing for yelling at a tourist somewhere. And he's like, right. I'm, I'm sorry. I, even, I snapped. Even monks have, have bad days. How often, like, how often do you get recognizes i would have to imagine just you walking down the street is do you just do you ever get used to being recognizable to almost everybody you know i i don't really have that experience really yeah somebody was asking me earlier um how about in the airport what do you do in the airport and i said uh, you would never know me in the airport um i i, I don't i don't walk around with these stilettos on oh you don't <laughs> no 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Am I ruining your fantasy? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because you do have this, uh, I guess going back to... I do have a very recognizable face and my lips usually give me away because I always have that pout. Right. But I, I, I do try to... I really believe that it's it's energy. Mm-hmm. I, maybe that sounds strange. See, that's the bit that I think you would have trouble hiding. I think that you have and you, you have part... a look, but you have an energy. But see, that's how I hide. Because even if I look like me and I don't want to be, you know, I have that thing where if I want to be looked at, if I want, I can turn that on. And if mm-hmm. I don't, I turn it off. Have you always yes. felt like you had that? Yes. That's a great power I to know have. that sounds really weird, but Why? it's, I, yeah. you know, it's a thing where, okay, you know, and it, it is truly energy. I believe that, you know, um, you know, if you want to light up a room, you mm-hmm. go in and you light up a room. If you want to disappear, you disappear. Do you think that that is a special skill that you possess, or do you think everybody has that you just know how to use it? I, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I'm mm-hmm. really glad that I know how to use it. I yeah. wish that I could explain it better yeah. and patent it, because <laughs> then I could be, you know. Well, because I often wonder about people who are, you know, celebrities, well-known or whatever. They're Like, I love the movie star thing, right? There's a million beautiful men in Hollywood, a million beautiful women, and you like point one percent of them you put on screen mm-hmm. and they pop yeah and people fall in love with them and that's what a star why. is and they nobody knows what it is when they cast them you literally can't see until the film comes back and the person it's got i understand it can be a bit terrifying for the person who is the star because they don't know what they're doing either they and they're afraid that it could go away just as just as easily do you feel like you've been rubbing shoulders in this town at a pretty high level for a couple of decades now do you feel like there is this special class of people here who have this like extra level of charisma do you recognize other people who can turn that thing on when you meet them yes you just see it uh-huh i, I don't know what it is being on the other side of it um i wrote and directed my first short film in 2002 for fox and um i remember casting and you know you would just see after i'd seen like i was looking for a young a young girl, like six, between 16 and 19 or something. And um, I don't know, 30 actresses in, I'm not finding it, I'm not finding it. I'm not, they're all good, right. but it's just not that. And then the one comes in, Haley Hudson, and she went on to do a lot of really great stuff. Now she's got to be in her 20s mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, but she was incredible. She was 17 when I cast her in a Sweet Pea, and she was amazing. And Marshall Allman was the guy that I cast. Both of them went on to be big series actors. Um, and that was the first thing that they had both done. And why? I don't know why. They walked in, and it was the, uh, the actors. I was working with an incredible casting director, and he brought me really great people. But out of all of those actors, it wasn't that she was the prettiest. It wasn't that – I mean, it was that she was so many things at once yeah. that she was undeniable. I took a film class one time, and I always remember the, the, the teacher said that if you look at the, the biggest, biggest, biggest stars – is Julia Roberts the single most beautiful woman who's been on a mo- in a movie in the last 30 years? Maybe not. Maybe not. You know, well, the thing is about that is to whom? To whom? Is Barbara, you know? is Barbara Streisand objectively to some the people, most? Yes, to, to Julia some people, is. Yeah. To some people, yes, Barbara is. But that's exactly the point. You're never going to have everybody's opinion a vote yes for the same person. But we like we, we connect mm. with these people. Yeah. We, and, but the, everybody connected with, you know, Pretty Woman is the, the classic example mm-hmm. of you just see her and you, you just you love her. You know, do you remember feeling that way when you met you met Johnny Depp when he was really young? And he was drop dead gorgeous, absolutely. He's a handsome man. With that, it was more than that. It was more. It was that that um, 
that American Indian skin, that, you know, just caramel skin and, you know, all of that and the cheekbones and the, you know, he was just beautiful. He was pretty good at pouting as well. I don't think he ever tried to pout. I think that just sort of uh, there's a couple of there's a couple of pictures. I feel like he may have been sucking his cheeks a little <laughs> you bit think? in the 21 Jump Street era. Bless his heart. Well, he was really good, and, and you know, the, the Crybaby was his first leading role, um, and he did an amazing job. Some mm-hmm. of the stuff that he did in Crybaby, I was pretty, I mean, awesome. I thought you're in the midst of the 30th anniversary of hairspray yeah yeah john was out here last uh was just this last monday yeah um so hairspray of course was before crybaby yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. came on the scene after that but it shocks me that the, you know the you're, hairspray you're, you're was in that 30. family oh yeah john, you know john and i run into each other on the road all the time how's he, that well he speaks at different colleges and does his one-man show he's the still the busiest man in hollywood that's no longer making movies i wish he would make more movies does he choose not um, to yeah, he hasn't made a movie in a long time. I didn't know that was I guess I hadn't really thought about it. He's written books, he's done all kinds of things, but he hasn't been making movies. Was Cecil B. Demented the last one he made? I think so. Yeah. That's odd. Yeah. See, no, it's so funny because so the... much because I mean, I think what mm-hmm. he wants to do and what he's been able to perhaps get financing for, he's just not interested. He wants yeah. to make movies on his terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the and... culture is is really caught up with him because so much of what was considered you know, Hairspray is a great example. Like, incredibly subversive is, you know, it's a Broadway, I hadn't Broadway musical. Seen, absolutely. I hadn't seen it in years on the big screen. We saw it down here at the Academy. It was incredible. I took a girlfriend with me. We laughed the entire time. Ricky mm-hmm. was there. They had a panel. Uh, Deborah Harry was there. And um, Pia Zadora and, like, the, a lot of the original cast were there. But, I mean, Ricky Lake, that made her career. And she's delightful in that movie. She is, yeah. And I think, personally, that's one of my favorite John Waters movies. I love it. Uh, and what he was touching on then is so current right now. It's talk about being way ahead of your time. Yeah. How do you mean that? Well, I just mean that John was talking about race and, mm-hmm. you know, riots and equality and everything 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, it's it's sort of crazy that a lot of the conversations we could have had 30 years ago are conversations we can still say now. That's... Well, yeah. If that movie was released today, yeah. I would believe it. It's that fresh. Still. Right. Right. It's exactly. timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, you... Uh... Design clothes? You know, I, I started working with a company called Pinup Girl Clothing about yeah. two years ago. Mm-hmm. And Laura Burns is the CEO, and she started it uh, 17, 18 years ago, where American made women run. Um, and we have our, our factory here in, in Glendale. And so that's an awesome thing. We, we, we supply clothes everywhere from size extra small to 4X. So it is couture for everybody. And I first met her and started talking to her and releasing small pieces as a, just a collaboration with them about two years ago now. And my first pieces were like a, I designed a, a beat it creep t-shirt with this incredible yeah artist um japanese artist that i love um so i got to work with her on that and then you know we started building the first pieces were sort of in homage to sort of the 50s and and bad girls and john waters but kitschy and kind of fun and out there and you were kind it, of ahead of the curve with this stuff i i feel like like i i identify you i guess i wouldn't think of you as like the the pinup thing but you you the bangs and it, that became a very very big thing again a few years ago and i think that you Scene and, yeah, yeah. I, I never really thought about that, but that's really... I didn't either. <laughs> so. But you're perfect for that. That's what you are. Well, evidently, some people agree with that. Mm-hmm. 
but um you know the, the the collection has evolved it's it's vintage inspired it you know we we boast that our our fabrics and things are incredibly gorgeous and rich and just luxurious at pretty affordable prices which is great and i was fortunate enough you know i really wanted to see jane mckinney um, grow both visually and every other way. Your character uh, on Swedish yeah. Dicks, yeah. Um, so the wardrobe from season one, she was very basic mm-hmm. and she was um, sort of put together and she looked kind of like, you know, just detective, cop kind of, you know, blazers and things. But, you know, in season two, I had somebody just say to me that she looks kind of like a Charlie's Angels retired <laughs> that she would look. You know, her suits are like outrageous. Yeah. And it, it has a little super villain to it. There's like, it's like a a, a, a power hourglass figure. Absolutely. Thing. Yeah, which I love. And so uh, Laura and I, um, you know, created the outfits for Jane McKinney for season two. And they actually went live today. So the, the viewers can actually buy Jane McKinney's um, suits and things. Oh, that's the, fun. The Morgana suit is my favorite. The red one went live today. That was the one that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's got the bustle on the back and it has the corseted waist, which is everything. Uh-huh. Because, you know, if you're a size six, you go to a size two just like that. And it's just the exaggeration of the world. Like yeah. I said, a little super villain is fantastic. It's a lot of fun to play with. Uh, yeah, I'll take your word for it. I'm very thankful I was born on this, <laughs> this side of the field where I'll never have to find out what a... Well, we have plenty of male clients. Really? And oh, do yeah. they wear corsets as well? Well, you know, it's the string in the back. And, and yes, they do. Some of them are performers. Yeah. You know, you see them a lot on stage. You suffer but, for your art. Yeah. But I mean, in, in Hollywood now, um, make no mistake about it. The male actors, they're also wearing Spanx underneath their clothes. It's not just the ladies. <laughs> I believe you. I could probably use some myself. What, what sort of what sort of direction do you get for, uh, like, uh, you know, the scene that I'm referring to? Again, it's just got to be so much fun to just go in there and just absolutely just chew scenery, go 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 big and just dominate, you know, uh, give these guys a, a dressing down. Do they tell you how do they tell you to approach that? I've had a lot of freedom um, with the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, incredible director, uh, Peter Settleman, directed most of the episodes. Yeah. Not all of them, but most of them in season two. And um, Swedish director, who's actually quite famous in Sweden. And he, you know, gave me a lot of room, but had very specific notes just about rhythm. And that's what, I mean, comedy is anyway. Yeah. He would just be like, okay, you just have to punch that and it has to be faster here or whatever there. But honestly, the writing is so good on the show. Yeah. So it wasn't a lot of ad-libbing, none of that. It's, you know, as John Waters would say, don't change my words unless you're a member of the director's or the writer's guild. That's (laughs) fair. I think it's fair too. It's incredibly audacious that actors are like, that's a great idea. I'll take that (laughs) into consideration. Now watch me go make things up. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to defend the actors, sometimes the material is so bad and you're just trying to make it better yes so you wish you had better material but in a, in many cases you know when it's that good don't touch it yeah memorize it spit it out you know find it but leave it alone john waters was always like that you don't ad lib on his shows his words are his words yeah well he's yeah. kind of earned that oh yeah oh absolutely 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it was a lot like that on Swedish Dicks. The, you know, the, the, the words were so good. The writing was so good. You left it alone. And it was, I had some of the dirtiest, best lines in the entire series. I don't know how much you've seen of, of, of uh, season two, but I say some really filthy things like where I had to really work at not laughing like, oh my God, did they really make me just say that? Beautiful. Uh, I have to let you go. I thank you for your time. Like I said, when you sat down, um, it really is a, a pleasure to meet you. You too. Thank you so much. You are at Tracy Lords on Instagram, at the Tracy Lords on Twitter, uh, following a Saturday, July 28th premiere, Swedish Dicks airs Thursdays at 10 and 1030 on Pop TV. More to come on The Tully Show. Thank you. Thank you. We're back on The Tully Show following hot on the heels of Tracy Lords, who you most definitely did not just crop dust in the elevator on her way out, nope. is Kevin Kraft. Did that in the restroom. <laughs> I'm sure she appreciated that. Kevin Kraft of The Jason Ellis Show and the Mad Scientist uh, Party Hour podcast. You yeah. just completed your... I apologize in advance for um, my Jersey Mike's breath. You're from New Jersey. So is that figured, what that is? I figured it would just make you feel at home. <laughs> <laughs> this is our natural effervescence. I thought somebody set a turd on fire in here. But... No, 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 no. That's just that's just Mike's way. Nice. <laughs> so you just completed your uh, your annual sojourn to Comic-Con. Yes, I and did, yeah. What's that? I don't know. Like, what's your thing? Like, when you're like, oh, shit, can't wait to get down there to... You know what? I, I find myself asking that a lot. That would be my question. (laughs) The one time that I sat in traffic on the way down there going to San Diego, I was asking myself that question for sure. It's more or less I just like being surrounded by the things that I love. You know? Mm -hmm. it's I never go to panels. I know a lot of people are into that. Um, Those seem like they'd be pretty terrible. I think it's just a matter of people freak out just being in a room and seeing the people on the shows that they love. And I guess maybe working at Sirius XM for 12 years has me a little bit jaded. You don't really get starstruck anymore. I definitely don't want to wait in line to go in some place to wait in line. Yeah. And I, then mm-hmm. it's it's also people, you know, you get to be there while they announce shit. But I can also go on my phone and it'll be on Twitter 20 seconds after they make that announcement. So I'm not going to waste my time doing that. Waiting in lines blows and... These people fucking, there's some very smelly nerds in San Diego. You always say that. How much of that cliche is still true? I don't, it's it's me just kind of being a dick, but yeah. it is true. But uh, I, I imagine most people won't smell too pleasant because it's hot as fuck. It's always in, you know, the, the dead center of the summer. You have to leave the convention center to walk to the gas lamp district to go get food when you want lunch and stuff. And it's sweltering hot. And the lines to get away are super long, and it's you're packed in like sardines. So, yeah, you get the a little funky. Leave? Yeah. Because, I mean, you have to walk on the sidewalk. The cops have everything blocked off, so you cross in just two or three points. Yeah. And it's mobbed. The entire time the convention's going on, it's mobbed of people coming in and going out. Now, I'm— I agree with you. I can see where obviously it's really exciting to people. Johnny Depp comes out at something that's really exciting to people. And yeah. I'd be excited to see Johnny Depp. But right, the wow factor, the sizzle of seeing celebrities different for you and I than it is for other people. But it seems like the next best thing that happens at uh, Comic-Con, based on a quick Google search, is trailers. Yes. As somebody who has—I can't recall having gone out of my way to watch a trailer 
I will, like when I know there's a new Star Wars one, I will go out of my way for that. I'd say about 20% of that is for me. The vast majority is for my son. But, <laughs> like, that's this sort of seems like the thing is you go to see a trailer. Yeah, a lot of people wait in line for that as well. They want <laughs> there's just something thrilling, I guess, about being I saw that trailer first. Uh-huh. And so I don't really give like, a fuck about that. Is it just like nerd cred? A little bit. Um and some of it is just genuine excitement of yeah. cuz I I know people that that panels are their thing. They months in advance, they look at the schedule, they see what's happening. And they're like, okay, I'm waiting for this, I'm waiting for this, I'm waiting for this, I'm going to this panel, I'm going to the Adult Swim panel, I'm going here, I'm going there. Uh, I mean, the— Sounds like 20% fun, 80% going to the DMV. Yes. Yeah. And there's also—there are times where they showed exclusive footage for Infinity War, I guess, last year. And that didn't make it online. But here we are. Infinity War is about to come out on Blu-ray. So— Again, I don't really give a fuck about giving up my whole day to wait in line to see footage of a movie that I will eventually see. I respect that. You're a nerd, but you're an older, wiser nerd. And I'm more there for the comics. I mean, comics are a massive part of my life. It's like music or movies for some people. It's not like... It's like if you ask somebody, what what kind of music do you like? I said this on my podcast last night, and they were like, yeah, music's not really for me. It's like, how could you... Like, it's just... You said that to somebody and they gave you that answer? No, no, no. That's oh. just a hypothetical, like, I There are some mentioned. people who can take or leave music, which is really, really bizarre. It is bizarre. It's akin to the people who aren't all that into food. I don't mean good food. I mean food. <laughs> I've met some people who are literally like, if you're taking me on a date, take me somewhere that looks cool because I could give a fuck about the food. Yeah, that that's just mind-blowing to me. And I feel the same way about comics. Like, I just love comics so much. So I'm more there to go see... Artists, like comic book artists, will be there, and they'll have binders full of original art they've done or even they, the pages they, they drew and inked for whatever comic they were working on. And you can buy stuff like that. So I'm more there f- for that. You posed, you posed with a guy I saw you on Instagram. Yeah, Stan Sakai. He's the guy who created Usagi Yojimbo, who was— Sure. <laughs> I I'm I'm a the, it's a comic book series that started in the 80s but it also bled over into the Ninja Turtle universe. So Usagi was in the Ninja Turtle cartoons. He was he that's, had a figure. That's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I like I'm I'm a big Ninja Turtle fan. Did I know that about you? I kind of just assumed it was a given. No, okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> Keep going. I'm, I'm writing that down. So that that was a highlight. I mean, I I stop by his booth every year. Um Last year, I bought an original watercolor painting of his. Cool. He he did like a painting of Hellboy. It was fucking awesome. Did so, he make Hellboy, or did he just decide that he liked Hellboy? No, a lot of a lot of artists do that. Okay. They'll, is it like Hellboy done in his style? Yes. Okay. Cool. Gotcha. That's awesome. Yeah, and you can do that with a lot of the artists there. They'll have their original pages and shit, and then they'll just have sketches, paintings, other things they've done. And for me, that's it's like an artifact. It's like that's a one of a kind piece of art masterpiece and yeah. i own that i own like a piece of history and that's it's cool. special to me it's not special to anybody else but doesn't have to be yeah, yeah i saw i saw um uh, slash perform paradise city in a club with the vocalists were cypress hill rapping paradise city <laughs> that's pretty cool i don't own that but it's i feel like that's kind of the same thing a little bit yeah and i mean i'll be walking around my apartment stone sometimes and i'll just see one of like an original comic book page hanging on the wall and i'll just stare at it for like 
five, ten minutes and just be marvel at it and be like, this is so fucking cool. Awesome. And look for little details in it that I never noticed before. That's kind of my shit. I also like getting comic books graded. Yeah. Which is another hyper nerd thing. So, I mean, do, do the really good graders come to Comic-Con? There's a couple different companies. Yeah. And the main one is CGC. Uh-huh. So if you get a book graded by CGC and it gets a good grade, that the value of that skyrockets. And it's not the same, but I also kind of look at that as like I have the first issue of Walking Dead graded, and it's a 9.8, which is about as high as it gets. Depending on the grader, their mood that day, you can get a 9.9 or a perfect 10, which is – I don't think there are any of that for Walking Dead 1, but it's – yeah, I just got a house appraised. I feel like we can. I feel like we can relate on this. <laughs> it's, but I mean, like I, I bought that comic before the TV show came out, and like, I got it for maybe two hundred bucks. Now a graded copy can go for thirty five hundred to four thousand dollars. So I kind of have like these little safety nets chilling there for you know if if the bottom falls out, I can sell these things and keep my head above water for <laughs> maybe a couple months. Right. Uh, it seems like it'd be really nerve wracking. First of all, to have that job. Yeah. Because you can't fuck the thing up while you're grading it. Yeah. Like, my appraiser could have walked around the house. Like, he could have tripped a few times. It would have been no big deal. For all I know, he did. Yeah, I don't know what their process is. They don't, you don't get but, to watch them grade it? No, no, what no. What happens? Oh, they, I mean, you, you have to wait months for it before they ship it back. So you just bring it to them there? Yeah, you fill out the forms. Yeah. They take it, and then... Over time, it'll it'll eventually get graded. They go through every single page. Right. They look at the spine. What, they look t- at what, fucking... what does that run? To get a comic graded? Yeah. Like 25 bucks. What happens if it comes back and it has one tiny little bloop, 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 nick and you're like, that wasn't there, you asshole? They, I don't know. I, I wouldn't, I don't think I would notice it. But like I've. But if they said, hey, you give it to them and you're pretty sure you're sitting on a nine point eight here and it comes back a nine point four because there's this one tiny little blemish like somebody like accidentally drooled on one page and you're just like I didn't drool on that you drooled on that. What do we do? I would never know because it's sealed. It comes sealed in this plastic slab that you can't open. Okay. To kind of just like preserve it. Mm -hmm. So if somebody opened it up and (laughs) drooled in one of the pages and then docked me for it, I would have no way of knowing. I'd be like, oh fuck, I guess they found something in one of those pages I didn't notice. Maybe maybe there was a an ink blot or an, an imperfection somewhere, but I, I like, and, and then I, I like waiting to see what I get. Like, so one day that package is going to come, mm-hmm. and the couple comics that I dropped off, I get to, I don't know, guess have that thrilling anticipation to see what grade I got on my I comic. Get it? That's fun. That's fun. So, what was I like? How's uh, Comic Con? Is it different? I mean, of course, it's different than it used to be. What What are the trends in nerd world? I mean, I, I never mean that in the pejorative sense, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never got to go before it was the thing it is. Yeah, but you you've know? been still like, you've still gone for how many years in a row now? Probably five or six. Okay, maybe. yeah. So what's what's happening? It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same booths. It's, I mean, I I know like the artists I like. I'm just like okay, I know where they were last year, and I show up, and they're in the same fucking spot in the convention center. So things don't change all that much. Uh, it's more or less every year companies have things you can only buy there. So Mattel, Hasbro, Marvel, all the big publishers will Mattel put out. Mattel and Hasbro are still companies? Oh, yeah. They they are the ones where uh, – and also Funko. Those Funko Pops, the little figures with the giant heads and big eyes. Yeah, let's talk about them too. Whew, okay. 
on the record, I don't get it. Look, I, with all due respect, I don't want to completely trash them because I have some adult friends who have children who are really into them, so I don't want to tell them that their kid's a fucking moron, so I hope they're not <laughs> listening. Because it makes no sense. They're so utterly divorced. And people, I'm sure, know what we're talking about. They're yeah. so utterly divorced from the original thing that, like, because kids want... And first of all, I'm assuming it's only children who should ever want these. Okay, like, great. If you really like, you know, Evil Dead and you want to have some stylized ash to stick as, a, like, a, a desk tchotchke, that's fine. I understand that. I think these are really bad ones of that. But for the most part, I'm assuming it's children that want toys. I know. I'm, I'm old-fashioned. Like, you do want the thing to, even if it's stylized, essentially graphically, visually represent the thing that you like that made you want to buy a toy of it in the first place. And they don't look like the things. There's been any number of times that I've looked at a, a pop because they have them at uh, Barnes & Noble at the Grove, and I spent a lot of fucking time in that Barnes & Noble, and there's frankly nothing better to do. Sometimes I just guess, what the fuck is this thing? And I'm like, I saw that movie. I don't even know what that thing is. Well, that's that's also the the appeal to it because it started off, you know, kind of low rent, but it, it just became this self-sustaining cold fusion hype machine that just fueled itself. I mean, ha- nerds love deep cuts. They take beloved properties and go deep cuts on it. They do. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, they'll take extras from The Wizard of Oz. And like, stuff. I'm fucking surprised we don't have uh, Funko Pop figures yet, like the Jason Ellis Show series. Yeah, the deepest it's- of cuts. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's crazy how, how, how deep they go, and... The exclusives that they sell at Comic-Con, you have to camp out in line for them and go to a ticket lottery. So you can wait in line and not even get one. So this is just fully a, a classic example of when you create the, the – all you need is a little bit of demand, and then you really fucking choke the supply. And yeah. if you play that, that game properly – like, I remember they said about Cabbage Patch Kids, right, that they actually didn't have as much trouble meeting the demand that one crazy Christmas when we were kids as they said they did. It was just so good for them to have videos on the, you know, your local news every night of – I mean, it was – do you remember that? It was ridiculous. Be hordes of, of soccer moms outside of a, a Toys R Us, and they would literally be taking them off the truck and just, like, throwing them into the crowd, and whoever came down with a box got a Cabbage Patch Kid. It was insane. Yeah. I mean, because my aunt – like, growing up, I lived in the house with my aunt and uncle who were only like nine, ten years older than me, and my aunt was all about Cabbage Patch, and I experienced that when Super Mario Two came out on Nintendo. Like that was fucking hyped like crazy. I remember going to the the like KB Toys at the, in the Livingston, New Jersey mall. Oh my god, yeah, trying to get it, and mm-hmm. it was sold out. And yep. I went I, to that exact same KB trying to get Mike Tyson's Punch Out. That's yep. so funny when you couldn't get the video, and it was like they were all like forty bucks, and all of a sudden there was this one game that was like sixty five. Yeah, it was, was really real weird. fucking money back then. I still remember one day, like, all I thought about was getting Super Mario 2 after it came out. Uh-huh. And I came home from school one day, and my mom was like, I have bad news for you, Kevin. And I was like, she got Super Mario 2. <laughs> and it was, she was like, yeah, your great-grandpa died. <laughs> Wait, why like, would it have been bad news? Exactly. I just thought any news could be you're getting Super <laughs> Mario 2. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the, like the the Mattel and Hasbro thing, like it it was. I waited in line to get the Infinity Gauntlet. I think maybe in 2014. Sure. So it was an, like the Hulk hand version of Infinity Gauntlet, but it was also packaged in a in a blister pack that went up and around it and had these other four villains figures of them included in it. And I waited in line, but I I got it. I ended up getting one. Now you can't do that with Hasbro and Mattel. 
Like, you have to do the ladder. You have to get ticketed. You have to wait in line to wait in line. And that's just fucking absurd. I don't I don't give a shit about any of that anymore. I don't want any of those things. What's, like, the thing? Well, do you know what the thing was to have this time? I honestly don't. Good for you. Tell me about Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I mean, was that when they were on the air? Was that, were you aged out for them? Yeah. You when never did... were into Ninja Turtles? Like, I could name them. But you never I... were into the cartoon? Uh... Or the figures? No, no. no. I, I went to the first movie. In the 80s? Yeah. Okay. But, like, when did that come out? Maybe 88? Yeah, I would have been 11. Wow, and you were aged out at that point? You didn't yeah. get caught up in the Ninja Turtle uh, hype? Pretty cool, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Because <laughs> the thing about them was, and that was like kind of, almost one of the first times when I realized that there was a distinct, like, comic book culture that the that there were different things happening in the deep water because yeah. until that time it was like there's superman comic books and now they make a movie and it's basically them trying to make a movie out of the superman comic yeah you know and when ninja turtles came out it it kind of just struck me as like they were doing kind of like random for random sake it was just weird for the sake of being weird and they're why are they turtles who are teenagers who are ninjas that's what's cool it doesn't make sense it's just this super weird thing and uh, and I, you know, I just thought it was this manufactured, weird, stupid pop culture thing. And I recall hearing about the Ninja Turtles. Well, no, see, there's actually been this comic book thing going on for a while, and it's actually pretty interesting. And it's like not even really so much for kids. And I that's mean, that's about what I knew about it. So I, yeah. I, I kind of had the impression that the shit that I was being fed at a pop culture level was for kids and wasn't very good. But there was perhaps some other element of it that I just wasn't privy to. Yeah, because, I mean, the comic was more... It was a black-and-white comic. It wasn't goofy and silly. It was geared more adult. It was a grittier yeah. teenage mutant ninja turtle. Yes. and How so? Because, I, I mean, if you watch the cartoon, it's just goofy... It's cowabunga. ...cubed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's extremely silly, and, the, and it just wasn't. It was more... It was serious in the comic. And it was black-and-white, and they, you know... When they actually did release colored versions of it, they didn't have different colored eye masks because that was how you kind of tell them apart if they weren't speaking. So they didn't have that. They Like you just had to – you knew which Ninja Turtle it was by the weapon or what they got addressed as. Oh, I see. Yeah, the only way you can tell them apart essentially – In a black and white comic. Was – yeah. Yeah, by their weapon or – who. If they were talking and said somebody's name, uh, it, but I don't know. I, I, the I got I loved the the cartoon as a kid. I had I was obsessed with the action figures. I had to have every single one of them. They constantly put out new series and more deep cut characters, and I had to have those. And I, you know, I, I I never I didn't consistently watch it from when I was a kid to was when I was an adult. But I've always had an affinity for Ninja Turtles. They still have a special place in my heart. <laughs> I, it's really interesting to me, and it is so ridiculous. I feel like just in fleshing these things out, it just seems like I'm insulting you. So I'm just going to say again, I you know I will still go see hair metal bands from the '80s play on the Sunset Strip, and I, I, I in my mind it's the same thing. I would be excited if you told me, and this see now you're going to get insulted mm -hmm. by that. But if you told me that I could go watch L.A. Guns play a bunch of uh, Wasp songs, that would be exciting to me. That to me is the equivalent of some artist making. Uh, a character depiction that isn't his own in his own style. Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, I 
looked up what the actual highlights of like does this stuff affect you at all like all the movie premiere shit at all it seems like you're on your own like actual comic trip at comic con for the most part yeah and and now that disney has their own convention they have d23 and they own marvel they've they've leached that out of comic con so they Fuck. save all the big marvel announcements for disney's comic con some bad's going to happen cuz everybody like it all everything came together on the internet and that was one of the great things about the internet. And now all the intellectual property is going to get pulled apart yeah. again. And we're going to end up right where we started, which is the cable TV of internet, which is if you want to see Disney, you got to go to the Disney thing if you want. I mean, at least I'll say this for Disney. At least they bought everything good. So I know. <laughs> so all yeah. that stuff will be in one place. And it sucks because the a big announcement that I loved from Comic-Con was that they're doing another season of Clone Wars for Star Wars. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Oof. And like that that series completely legitimizes the prequel trilogy. Like, that series is fucking incredible. If you're a Star Wars fan, it's streaming on Netflix, and it's awesome. It's all these little solo adventures. It it totally kicks ass. It's not some watered-down kid thing. Like, they get gnarly on it. People throw themselves off of buildings. There's decapitations. It's For what it is, it's it's pretty kick-ass and gritty. And is it blood? Go- no, they never do blood. But, like, someone, like someone wearing dry, a helmet will get decapitated. A decapitation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's it's, I I loved it, and then it got canceled, and then they brought it back on. They well, they just continued the series, but with Star Wars Rebels, with following a whole different cast of characters, a different animation style. wasn't a big a fan as that as Clone Wars, but Clone Wars coming back is like, holy shit, that's incredible news. I'm very excited, and it's exclusive to Disney's forthcoming streaming service, their Netflix platform, which sucks. I'm not. I'll, I'll if I'm, I'm gonna wait and see if they put it out on Blu-ray and buy that, because I'm I'm not signing up for Disney's service just to watch that. And that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna hold these like individual things hostage. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask you about the Blu-ray thing because you kind of answered my my question. I saw that one of the big takeaways from Comic Con 2018 is that Batman the animated series is finally getting a Blu-ray. Now, who gives a god a good goddamn about that? A lot of people. A lot of people. Blu-ray. Yeah. Why? Um. Here's I. I am still an avid Blu-ray c- consumer, mm-hmm. and it's because internet is spotty at best. At my place, it kind of sucks. So if I'm streaming something, it could I could get stuck in one of those annoying fucking buffer loops, or the quality dips down to where it looks like a Nintendo game. And that annoys the shit out of me. I like being able to and, – and streaming services, they cycle things in and out. So like, I don't know, a series you love could be on Netflix one month and then the next month it's fucking gone. Yeah, but what about if you just buy the series on Amazon and you download it and then you just have it in your TV forever? You see, then I uh, I don't download things to my TV because I'm like a human EMP. So my TV's hard drive will probably fucking crash and I'll lose it all. I like I like knowing that I have the disc and nobody can take my disc. So there's like an obsessive compulsive element to this. A little bit. There seems like there is to a lot, a lot, a lot of this stuff. Like, it's funny because, and I know the two aren't mutually exclusive, but it, it seems like so much of nerd culture is OCD culture. It's how pristine is your comic book. It's um, being able to be the first person on earth to see the footage and stuff like that. And that you talk about these people who have a complete disregard for their appearance and hygiene. 
Yeah. And I guess the, the cliche of like the disgusting scientist sort of applies here. <laughs> I mean, if you took all this shit away from me, there's a chance I could be tapping doorknob guy. Oh, really? Maybe. I don't know. Because it is, there is obsessive compulsive elements to all this shit. Uh-huh. Wanting things in perfect condition. Yeah. Wanting, you know, a limited edition, being the first. There, when you have 363 of a collection of 364. Exactly. Collecting yeah. things, collectibles, all that shit. If I didn't have that outlet, who knows? Maybe my brain would turn on itself and I would be Rain Man or something. <laughs> so do you care about any of these other things that got, I don't know, premiered or trailered or teased or what have you at Comic-Con? There's another Godzilla. That trailer looks sick. And I loved Kong Skull Island. How many Godzillas have we done in the last 15 years? American? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I think two. Okay. Yeah, there was we'll... the Matthew Broderick one and then the Brian Cranston one, and both sucked. Brian Cranston? Yeah. I missed that one entirely. It was not good. You waited like two hours to see Godzilla. Oh, they did the Jaws thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, my kid's and did watching not pull Jaws. Well. That's really funny because my kid, for some reason, got his head. He really wanted to see Jaws. He's six. And for somebody who's been raised on 2018 um, entertainment, knowing full well, the only thing I know about Jaws is that Steven Spielberg agreed to direct it only on the condition that he didn't have to show the shark for, I don't know if it was 45 minutes or 60 minutes. It's a famous thing. Yeah, yeah. That they I, you, you do the hysteria around the shark. And I think partially because he knew that a little of the shark special effect went a long way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they tried to they tried to Jaws Godzilla and yeah you got to pretty much if you're gonna make a Godzilla movie rule number one you're gonna need Godzilla. I mean, have you seen the trailer for it? No, it looks. I haven't sick. seen a trailer. I mean, I don't. I haven't. I don't. Oh, I don't, that's true. I, I yeah. see trailers that get brought to me. I've never gone on YouTube and searched for a trailer. I don't think. I've never been a big Godzilla guy, but this looks really cool. Godzilla's it's, it's, yeah, it's huge in my house at the moment, so. And you get all the other monsters with it, too. Like that three-headed dragon's in the trailer. Mothra's in the trailer. Oh, fuck yeah. Like all these other giant monsters are in it. So it's just going to be like a giant monster fuck fest. And yeah, sign me up. That sounds cool. Great. Yeah, well, I'll be there opening night now that I really think of it. Yeah. Uh, real quick, we have a couple seconds left here. Scale of 1 to 10, rate your excitement level over a Judge Dredd TV show. Uh, I did not even hear that. So yeah. I guess until I know more details, five. Okay. I thought Dread was awesome, the movie. I thought it was good. Every it's like a famous bomb. I enjoyed it. Yeah, they what need the a fuck? sequel. To, I, if it, if it was a sequel to that, ten. Okay, series. Nah. Yeah. I need more info, but uh-huh. five. Uh, Ryan Reynolds wanting to explore Deadpool's pansexuality. I mean, they kind of do that already. Is he a little bit? And two, I didn't see two yet. Yeah, I mean, he throws out little things like homoerotic shit. Gotcha. I mean, he does that in the comics too. So whatever. Yeah, bring it on. Um, the Orville season two. Zero. Isn't that insane? I mean... I never. I have zero interest in watching season one, so... I yeah. just cannot believe that you could... For such a... I mean, every this is a household term at this point, Comic-Con. And this I'm looking at the, the top seven events of like Comic-Con, and somehow a trailer for season two of The Orville got snuck in. Yeah, there. very underwhelming. And uh, finally, uh, Shazam, the superhero children have been waiting for. Five. Really? Again, it, the, the trailer looks so low budget. Huh? It looks like a CW show. Yeah, it does. But it's also very silly. Mm-hmm. So if they can pull it off and it's funny and it's fun action adventure stuff, cool. I'm open to that, but I'm not all that excited. But of course, I'm a fucking dork. I'll be there opening night. I'm sure I'll end up seeing that myself. Well, yeah. thanks. Now I feel like I've uh, been to Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Kraft. Happy to be your surrogate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can hear him on the Jason Ellis Show, Mad Scientist Party Hour podcast. You're at Kevin Kraft on Instagram, at Kevin Kraft Sucks on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah. 